Hello and welcome to Yes, That Really Did Happen, my new weekly podcast talking about things that actually happened in history that sound like science fiction, fiction, or just completely not possible. But they really did happen. My name's John and I hope to take you along on this journey and we'll learn something new and exciting and completely useless throughout the day. Because what is life without a good useless knowledge you can use as trivia with your friends? Today we're talking about two things. A project called Project Azorian, also known as Project Jennifer. And the ship built for these projects, a ship called the Glomar Explorer. This takes place back in the late 60s, early 1970s. The Cold War was in full swings. The space race was pretty much over. And intelligence gathering was at its height. It was really a big time to be a spy, to be quite frank with you. The CIA was run by George Herbert Walker Bush, who you might know as President Herbert Walker Bush, or Bush 41. And he was doing everything he could to gather as much intelligence on the Soviet Union as possible. We'll get back to that. So let's start talking first about the ship. This ship was being built officially by Howard Hughes. Uh, you may know the name Hughes from satellites, from satellite internet, as an aviator, a casino owner, an industrialist, and a hand-washing enthusiast. Howard Hughes was all of that. He made his original fortune selling drill bits for the oil industry, drilling for oil. He was big into exploiting natural resources and finding new ways to harvest them most efficiently and to make the most money possible from it. That funded his airplane habit. Now, anybody who knows about airplanes knows airplanes are very expensive. And Howard Hughes built the most expensive. He built the fastest. He built the biggest. He built the most technologically advanced planes to come out. He owned TWA, Transworld Airlines. They developed the Lockheed Constellation. It's one of the first pressurized aircraft. There was very little that Howard Hughes had not done. So back in the early 70s, word got out that he was building a ship called the Glomar Explorer. And this ship was going to mine the ocean floors. Howard Hughes was going to mine the ocean floors. Yes, indeed. He was going to take this ship and mine manganese off the ocean floor. Now, what is manganese, you might ask? Well, manganese is a nodule that goes onto the ocean floor that is mainly nickel. Okay, there's a lot of nickel. There's copper, there's cobalt, all right? So it's basically a much, a very rich source of nickel. And if you can just go pick these up off the ocean floor, which you can if you can get down deep enough, they just lay there. You don't have to mine. You don't have to dig pits. You don't need big trucks. You don't need to process. You can just bring this stuff up. 
And in the 1970s, we needed a lot of nickel because we were trying to develop better batteries, electric cars. There were there was an oil crisis, and much like today, they were trying to develop a much better battery. Now, modern batteries use lithium. They don't use nickel. Back in the 70s, they were using nickel. So this is something that this is something that Howard Hughes was into, apparently. So he was building this ship to mine the deep ocean. That was the official cover story. Now, remember I said this is about Project Azorian, also known as Project Jennifer. Well, this is where stuff starts getting weird. The truth is, the construction of the ship and the ordering of the ship was all paid for by the CIA. Yes, the CIA shelled out $350 million in 1971 money, which is eh, roughly $1.5 billion, maybe closer to $2 billion today, somewhere in that range. And this company, Global Marine Development, owned by Howard Hughes, was going to use the ship to mine nickel. No, they weren't. What they were really trying to do was raise a sunken Soviet submarine. Yes. So remember what I said earlier. You know, we were really out there trying to gather as much intelligence as possible. Well, as part of that, we had SOSIS warning nets. You know, you've read Tom Clancy, you know about SOSIS warning nets. These were underwater listening posts to know where every Soviet submarine was at all times. Well, as a side effect of that, when one of the Soviet submarines had a catastrophic failure and sank, we knew exactly where it went down. We were able to find it, and we had an exact location on this sub. So what they decided to do at that point was they decided to raise the sub from the bottom of the ocean. Now this had to be done covertly because the Russians had fleets of fishing trawlers that were actually spy boats, but they were fishing trawlers all over the world. And if they saw us pull up with a bunch of cranes and a barge and put a Soviet submarine on it, the Soviets would know we had it in a matter of days or hours, depending on where in the world it was. Remember, communications weren't all that great. Even satellite communications back in the 70s were not all that instantaneous. So this had to be done covertly. Enter the Glomar Explorer and Howard Hughes, yes. So Howard Hughes is building this ship officially and this ship is actually being built to play the world's most complicated and expensive claw game you know the claw machines that just suck your money up and give you nothing in return well yes this is what the cia was building but on a grand scale so after locating the sub in a minor shallow 
16,000 feet of water. Yes. 16,000 feet. <laughs> I mean, just... Uh, 5,000 meters, 16,500 feet down, lies a submarine. We're building a ship capable of dropping a claw... The submarine was 16,000 feet down. 16,000 feet. Let's think about this for a moment. We're going to take a submarine that is 16,000 feet down, pick it up by a giant claw, and haul it into the bottom of a ship. Well, 16,000 feet is deeper then Pike's Peak is tall. Pike's Peak stands at about 14,000 feet. So add another 2,000 feet to that, and you've got how deep this ship was in the ocean. This is deeper than the Titanic. This is a very, very deep wreck. Now, this didn't phase the CIA one bit. They determined that they were really good at claw games and they could pick this submarine up off the bottom of the ocean floor, pull it up 16,000 feet and haul it into the bottom of the ship. Because remember, the Soviets had surface trawlers all around and we couldn't be seen having that record wreckage. So what are we going to do with the submarine once we raise it? Well, it has to be pulled into the bottom of the ship in what was called a moon pool. This piece of technology is absolutely amazing to me because I was always told if there's a hole in the bottom of your ship, you're in trouble. The entire bottom of the Glomar Explorer would open up and there would be a moon pool there. You could pull something out of the water, close it, and then the ship would be watertight again. This was absolutely amazing engineering. I'm sure somebody could explain to me how it works, but to me, I'll just say, well, that's remarkable. So how big was the Soviet sub? The Soviet sub was 100 meters long, 
and had a beam of about eight and a half meters. This was a ballistic missile sub, and we wanted those ballistic missiles. Believe me, this is why the CIA was spending $350 million, or probably close to $2 billion in today's money, to build this ship. We wanted those nukes. So we built the ship. We went out, we built it. It was built just north of Philadelphia. At a shipyard, and they took the ship out, and they went to where the ship was sunk, uh, where the boat was sunk, I should say. Submarines are boats, ships are ships, but submarines are boats. I know this because I know somebody who used to serve in the U.S. Navy aboard submarines, and he served aboard boats. He would always be sure to remind me of that. So, therefore, a submarine's a boat. So the ship, the Glomar Explorer, goes above the sunken K-129 boat and starts its 16,000-foot claw game, okay? Well, they get this claw down to the bottom of the ocean. They wrap the claw around the submarine, and they start hauling it up. Apparently, there were some wrong measurements, or maybe the wrong steel was used. There are many theories on why what happened next happened. The claw broke. Much like the claw game, when that prize is dangling from it and falls back into the pit, well, that's what happened with two-thirds of this submarine. Two-thirds of the claw broke. We kept the 30-foot section of the bow of the submarine, the rest of it sank back down to the bottom of the flo ocean floor, complete with our claw. There was no second chance from this. There was no way to go back. This was it. So we did. We raised that front portion of the ship, the boat, into the ship. <laughs> okay, and I'm not going to edit any of this out because, well, maybe I'll get less tongue-tied in future uh, episodes. <laughs> so... Let's get back to the recovery of the boat. So the boat was recovered. And we did find two nuclear torpedoes on there. So it wasn't a complete failure, but there was no prize of the ballistic missiles. We wanted to know the guidance systems of those ballistic missiles. That was the whole purpose of this. So we could learn how to jam all the Russian ballistic missiles, and we could build a missile shield so we could nuke them and they couldn't nuke us because that's what the Gold War was all about, figuring out how to nuke the other guy without the other guy being able to retaliate. That was the goal of the United States and the Soviet Union. Now, also aboard, they found six crew members. The CIA came prepared for that, complete with Soviet Navy ensigns to be able to conduct a proper burial at sea for all the bodies they recovered. Uh, they also videotaped it. In fact, the whole operation was shot as a documentary for the CIA. This documentary has yet to be released. Uh, it is still highly classified. Sections of it 
were released. The section of the Russian-Soviet sailor Burial at Sea was given to the Russians in 1991, nearly 20 years after the 1974 recovery of the K-129. So, this all happened, 100%. But how do we know about it? This was a super-secret CIA operation, and the cover story seemed to be intact. Well, somebody by the name of Jack Anderson, he was one of the first big investigative journalists in the 1970s. Um, He was up there with Woodward and... Woodward... Woodward and Bernstein, again, no edits. I'm not going to edit that out. Less tongue-tied in future episodes. And he broke the story in March of 75. The CIA was not happy about this, but freedom of the press, they couldn't do it. Anything about it. And um, he had sources inside the Navy and said, Navy experts have told us that The sunken sub contains no real secrets and that the money was wasted. Absolutely, yes. So, definitely trying to get out all the government waste even back then. In light of super secret CIA operations. uh, Which I just find outstanding. And fully support. (laughs) So, that was released. And then... The New York Times had an article that they had already written but had quashed on request of the CIA after the March 75 radio broadcast of Jack Anderson. They decided to publish the account uh, that they had researched on this. They were going to sit on it, the New York Times, but they decided to keep it uh, to go ahead and publish it. uh, Despite pleas from... George Herbert Walker Bush, and Gerald Ford. Uh, They also had to figure out what to do with the ship, because the ship is still, or was still, it's been scrapped by now, but the ship was still a viable ship. So, after Project Azorian, the ship was mothballed, because it was technically a government ship. It was owned by the government, so it was put in the mothball fleet, along with battleships, aircraft carriers, destroyers, and everything else we were storing up during the Cold War. Um, You know, it was actually parked right next to some of the Iowa-class battleships. So, the government, though, they didn't really want this ship on their books. They kind of wanted to get rid of it fast. So the General Services Administration, the GSA, who disposes of surplus government goods, um, (laughs) received seven bids to lease the ship. One of them was a $2 bid from a Lincoln, Nebraska college student who said, I'll buy that for $2. And a $2 million bid, or about $8 million today, from a man to salvage nuclear reactors of the two sunken United States submarines, which were the cover story for Bob Ballard finding the Titanic 
that's a completely different thing. There's plenty of good YouTube videos about that. I'm not going into it. Everybody talks about the Titanic. The Lockheed Missile and Space Company wanted $3 million, or $12 million today, to lease it to find sunken missiles and rockets that had been sunk and things from the space race and that kind of stuff. So, eventually, in 1976, it was sent to storage. And it was put into Navy dry dock and became part of the reserve fleet. In 78, two years later, a company called Ocean Minerals Company out of Mountain View, California, they leased it, recommissioned it, and they decided to use it as a prototype to actually mine the bottom of the ocean floor. It's cover story. Not what it was built for, but what it was officially built for. That was in 78. They leased it. They didn't get around to getting the ship going until 1996. So, for those of you who've had long-term projects sitting around, think about this. They bought the ship, or leased it, in 1978, and they didn't really get it out of the mothball fleet until 1996. They just kind of left it parked there, collecting dust. So, they then modified the ship for its purpose and sent it to Mobile, Alabama to be um, a deep-sea drilling ship. They finally found a use for it. They were going to use it to drill deep-sea wells. And it was going to be capable of drilling in waters 7,500 feet deep, or half of what it grabbed a submarine from. Then, that was all part of a 30-year lease for $1 million a year. And then in 2010, they negotiated and bought the ship for $15 million, or $18 million in today's money. And then in 2015, they said, enough of this. And the ship was scrapped in China. So, yes, that Chinese steel, part of it was the Glomar Explorer. That wraps this bizarre story. That sounds like straight out of a James Bond novel. And I hope you'll stay tuned for some of our more interesting tidbits to come including the German gold ship. Yes, a ship full of German gold. That'll be next time on the Yes, That Really Did Happen podcast. Have a great day.